Let's sing it out today. Believe it. This is your year to be a conduit of heaven. Heaven is coming through me. And it's going to change the world around me. One more time as a prayer. Heaven is coming through me. Thank you, Lord, that you use people just like us to touch the world. Let us be your hands and your feet today, oh God. Heaven is coming. And change the world, oh God. Change the world. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you today that you're keeping your word that I can see in this city change because of what you're doing in the people's lives here. And Lord, we ask for more. We ask for more lives to be touched, more people to be changed. We need you, God. There's no one like you. Only you can fix the broken heart. Would you just think of a few people that you know who need to be fixed by God right now? Just pray for them. Name out their names. Lord, fix them. Change them. Do what you did for us and them. No one's too far away. No one's too difficult for you to change, for you to touch, for you to make them into the person you want them to be. Because if the world's ever going to change Jesus, it's got to change in us. We know that. You said it would, that the kingdom of God would start in us, started in us and our friends and our family and those around us in our community. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Can we bless the Lord? God bless you. You may be seated. Welcome to church today. I'm so glad that you're here. Leave up this title for a few moments, please. During this season, I'm just preaching from my heart, giving you what I would consider to be some of my foundational truths that I live by from the Word of God. And as you were looking at this screen and getting a glimpse of the title, you might have thought to yourself, where did this come from? Is this Jay-Z's life advice right here? Use worldly wealth, friends, to gain, or use wealthy wealth to gain friends, boys and girls. Did that come from Jay-Z? Did that come from Donald Trump, Art of the Deal? No, this came from Jesus. Use worldly wealth. So some people might say, you know what? My bank account's broke, but I'm spiritually rich. I'm spiritually rich. Well, it's good to have spiritual blessings, but you need some worldly wealth too. Can you put in spiritual blessings into your gas tank today and drive your car to church? Will the, will the bus driver take your spiritual blessings and let you get on the bus? Will the, uh, wherever you shop, marshals, will they take your spiritual blessings and let you get some new clothes? No. Will McDonald's take your spiritual blessings and let you get a hamburger today? No. You see, we need worldly wealth, don't we? We need to have wealth. And let me define what wealth is. Wealth is having more than enough. For some people, that's having some thousands of dollars in the bank. If you have that, you have more than enough. That would be certainly true for a lot of young adults. If you had a few thousand dollars coming in every month, saved up in the bank, that's more than enough. You'd be building your wealth as a young person. For adults, we might need a few hundred thousand. More than enough. Live within your budget, save and save and save. And for others, a million, maybe a billion's more than enough. Maybe they have a billion dollar worth of bills. What do you do if you have a billion dollar worth of bills? You better make a billion dollars this year. Are you listening? Wealth is more than enough. And the Bible says that he wants to give us more than enough to gain friends. It's not done out of manipulation. It's not done for us to try to buy their friendship. But it's using our wealth to be friends to people in this world. Because if we don't have wealth, how can we take somebody out to dinner? If we don't have enough money to share, we're still going hungry ourselves. How can we do that? I mean, if you're hungry, can you feed the hungry? If you're naked, can you clothe the naked? If you're broke, can you help somebody who is broke to pay their bills? Somebody's got to have it. 
And sometimes people say, well, pastor, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to pray. Is that how the farmer farms? When God created the earth, did he say to Adam, just pray, and then magically, there will it come from the ground. No, he said, till the ground, work the ground. And it was after the curse that work became sweat and toil. But work is not a four-letter word. It's a blessing. Work is not a curse. Work is a blessing. And how did he teach us? To go to the ground, to plant the seed, to do those things. Well, if God built into the system seed, time, and harvest, and work, how are you and I going to get anything just by praying? Now, somebody might say, oh, pastor, I'm so much more spiritual than you. I know stories of missionaries and poor people who have prayed. There's a story of a man who started an orphanage, and then he didn't have any money to feed the kids. And he said, boys and girls, let's just pray. And then after they prayed, a knock on the door came, and there was a bag of groceries. See, pastor, just prayer can get the job done. Hold on. Where'd that bag of groceries come from? Did the angel Gabriel bring that? No, somebody had to go buy that. Hear the word of the Lord to go bring it to that person's house. The Bible says, give and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaking together and running over. Shall men or women give unto you? Wow, so that means with our prayers, we must add in work. We don't just look at the farm and look at the ground and go, okay, Jesus, make it grow. I'll be waiting. No, we get to work. And so we have to take serious what we do for work, how we increase in our wealth and finances. Now, at this point, there might be another concern. Pastor Joe, are you becoming Pastor Joe Osteen? Is this the prosperity gospel? Well, depends on how you define it. Do I believe that the gospel will prosper you? Yes, I don't believe the gospel curses you. I believe the gospel blesses you. But an ungodly prosperity gospel is one that says you judge somebody's spirituality based on their bank account. I'm not here to judge you based on how much money or you don't have in your bank account. You could be rich and going to hell, poor and going to heaven. That is not the message today. That's not what Jesus taught. But if you could have your choice of going to heaven and having wealth, would you like to have both? If you could have your choice today of being blessed spiritually and being blessed with worldly wealth, would you take it? Because listen to me, if you don't take it, somebody else is. You see, if you just show up to your job and you go, you know what, I don't really want that promotion. I don't really want that. Let somebody else have it. Oh, yeah, they'll have it. They'll be your boss real quick. They'll take that pay raise, and you know what they'll do with it? They'll blow it at the casino. They'll spend it on their kids with designer clothes, and you're still complaining about your broke-down 95 Camry. You see, if you want something in this world, you have to get into the world system and go get it. If the farmer wants to have some wheat, they got to do what all the farmers do. And if a business person wants money, they got to do what business people do. And if salespeople want what money salespeople get, they better start making some sales. Now, there may be somebody here today and just say, Pastor, I'm just so humble. I'm just so humble. I don't want wealth. I don't want any of those things. Because if I had it, I would, I would use it and abuse it. I would become greedy. Okay, so what you're telling me is God can't change your character about money? So the only way you can handle money is to make it rain wasted and lose your soul in the process? Because guess who's going to take that money? An ungodly person who wants to use it to support Planned Parenthood. An ungodly businessman or woman who wants to support all of the filth of this culture. And here all the little Christians will just be humble because we didn't want to lose our soul with wealth. How about both? How about be wealthy and righteous? How about having some land, some houses? How about having some wealth in this world and not losing your soul in the process, but using it to give it away? Instead of taking $100 million and wasting it on a yacht, you start funding the mission movement. Instead of using your laziness to not go out there and get the things of the world, you get them for the glory of God. 
So I don't want anybody here using that false humility. Maybe you truly might be stumbling because of money. That's different. But I don't want you to use your false humility to be lazy in life, to not succeed, because you say, oh, that's just not spiritual. I want us to read this parable and teaching of Jesus word for word, because some of y'all don't believe Jesus said it. Let's go there, Luke chapter 16, word for word. Get challenged today to be great. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I am not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will bring me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first one, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in their dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little will also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either they will hate the one and love the other, or they will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees who loved money heard all of this and were sneering at Jesus. And he said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your heart. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Can I hear an amen? So many of you, when you read through that, you have no idea why the servant was rewarded. You don't get the worldly riches part. All you hear is right there at the end, don't love money. And you're like, amen, Jesus, I don't have enough even to love. Okay, I'm good. But you miss the entire point. The entire parable about the rich man is his steward and his steward is to teach you how to be rich and not love the riches God gives you. Oh, that's only a half amen. What did he say there at the end? He said, whoever can be trusted with little will be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with little will be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, how do you get true riches? Well, I just got spiritual blessings. Oh, you mean that make-believe stuff nobody can see? Nobody can see if you get an interest on it, getting a return on it, being faithful to work it. You mean you just, you, you just got that fairy dust stuff? Why can't you show me now? You can wash your clothes, get up on time, get a good job, manage some stuff here. Why are you telling me it's all up there? You're telling me you manage stuff up in heaven, but I don't see you managing anything down here on earth. You keep getting promoted, people getting promoted over you. You've been at that same position, at that same job for all this time, but yet you got spiritual treasures. No, Jesus said a good indication, not that you are to judge because we know uh, sinners can have wealth, but a good indication that a Christian is doing what's right for spiritual things is if they're prospering in worldly things. This is a try and a test, a trying ground for the kingdom to come. 
And then this is now where people go, oh, I don't know if I like this kind of Christianity. Aren't you Christians just supposed to be nice to everybody? You know, just, you know, just let everybody else take the promotion. No, you take the promotion, Barb. You, I don't need you. take. No, you get the customer, T-Mobile. Verizon doesn't need any more. I don't need any more credit. No, you get the construction job. I don't need it. No, man, I'm going to tell you in Christianity what it's about. It's about winning and sinners losing. In Christianity, I'm going to teach you how to win on this job. You should come there and say, I'm going to teach you how to win the construction job. I'm going to teach you how to win in high school getting A's. Yeah, we may be like Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach up in Abednego up in Babylon, but we better prosper in Babylon. We better show these pagans what it's like to serve the God of heaven and earth. I was playing somebody in volleyball one time, spiked the ball on him. It doesn't happen often, but I had a good spike on him. And they're like, oh, you're a pastor. You're not supposed to do that. No, that's what I'm supposed to do as your pastor. The best thing I can do is whoop you at this game right now and teach you how to take your L and make that loss a lesson. Come back here correct. Well, no, all the work. No, the Christians just not. We're not supposed to have the money. We're all supposed to give it away. Well, if you want to make it and give it away, you can, but you're not supposed to use that excuse and say, I already gave it away before I made it. Show me you can make it. Show me you can do something productive with it. How are we going to support the mission field? How are we going to put missionaries on planes in the Congo? We support an aviator mission group in the Congo. Literally, they have come here and spoken to us, a precious family. They have planes that they fly in the jungle and drop off Bibles and medical supplies. You don't get that off of fairy dust. Somebody's got to buy a plane. Somebody's got to go to school to fly a plane. Somebody's got to know how to fix a plane. Somebody's got to buy the medical supplies. Somebody's got to buy the construction equipment. It's time to be blessed to be a blessing. You see, the Pharisees had loved money just because of what it did for them. They were greedy. And God says to them, you forgot what the purpose of that money was. It was a tool. You don't sing songs about a tool, but people sing songs about money. Money, 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 money. You don't hear the next song coming out. Hammer, 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 hammer. Money's a tool. It's a tool. Wrench, 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 wrench. Computer keyboard, computer keyboard. It's a tool. We use money. We whoop money and put it in shape and do what it, make it do what we want it to do. Money shouldn't master your heart. You master money. Let me tell you the best whooping you put on money every time it comes into your bank account. You say 10% of you, hop right back into the church account. I'm putting God first here. And then you whoop it some more. I'm going to put some offering in. I'm going to put some mission money. You, you money, you're going to go over there and work missions for me. And then you invest it and you save it and you get shrewd with it. And you start to have generational blessings. So that God forbid if you were to pass away, we don't have to have a GoFundMe so that you can get buried. We're celebrating the funeral for your life and your children and your children's children are celebrating because they got cut a check. Oh, see, it got quiet when I preached like that. Oh, y'all upset that Awayla didn't plan right? You upset that you all had to do that? She didn't do it right. And if that's your Awayla, you didn't do it right. You can look up right now, funeral insurance, about $5 a month. If Wayla don't have the money, put $5 into a savings account with that insurance company so that when or he or she passes, they don't have to be broke, busted, and disgusted, taking up some ghetto GoFundMe funeral account. But people are blessed and are highly favored at that funeral. Somebody better teach you that. Because the world, the world knows that. How many of you right now are 30 years old or younger? Raise your hands. You're 30 years old or younger. How many of you plan on being productive until you're at least 35, uh, 65 years old? You plan on being productive. Listen to me. I want everybody to listen to me. This is, this is not magic. This, this is not magic. All you have to do is go compound interest calculator. Those of you under 30 years old right now, you save up $20,000 by the time you're 30 or right around 32, 35, whatever. You put in $20,000 in an investment account. Then for the next 40 years of your life, 40 years, 
get you to right around retirement age, 65, 70. We're going to be retiring later because we have longer life expectancy. So get ready to work for a while. You'll be about my dad's age, 70, but you'll be healthy. Listen, you'll retire with over a million dollars. You put 20000 in that investment account right now. You put $200 a month in there for 40 years. Average 8% compounded interest. You'll have over a million dollars, and you'll have a prayer life. And you'll have spirituality. And you'll be righteous. Now, you might say to myself, well, I don't want all of that. Well, then don't do it then. But listen, somebody else will. Somebody else will. And what Jesus is telling us here is a parable about wealth and riches. And you think by the way it ends with him saying, don't love money. You think the parable should have started off like this. I'm going to tell you how not to love money. Well, there was a rich man, and then he gave his money all the way. He wore some clothes that stank, and he lived somewhere off in the mountains. And then he died a poor man, and they had to raise money for his funeral. Now, y'all be righteous like him. No, when he teaches a parable that ends with not loving money, he talks about a guy getting fired for not taking care of money. Let's go through the the parable verse by verse so you can understand it. Go down. Gentlemen, you have to review these notes before the sermon, please. Make sure you're tracking with me. They're down below. Thank you. I appreciate that. We're working on some new guys this year. Keep on going. You'll see where I'm at. There you go. The parable starts with a guy getting fired. Did Did you catch that? There was a rich man who looked at his manager and said, what are you doing with my money? And Nancy, do this for me before I forget. Where's my wife at? Make sure you write them to review these notes because we got new guys back there every day. I just want to make sure before we forget, starting the year off right. Listen to me. The guy got fired. You know why he got fired? Because he wasn't taking care of his boss's money. Wasn't taking care of his boss's money. He said, you're fired. You're fired. That's how the parable starts off. And so I just want to ask you a question. Are you wasting God's time and talents right now? Like, are you just thinking, well, I'm just a Christian, so it doesn't really matter what I do at my job. I don't like my job too much. Or I came here from another country, and I don't have much of an education, so just just as long as I put some things on the table and and make sure they have heat and all that, you know, in a good house, that's all I'm responsible for. Now, listen to me. Some of you, you may be called to be a janitor the rest of your life or work at McDonald's. Literally, that may be your best. That's, that, that's just maybe what God has called you to do. Well, go do that and be your best. But there's a lot of you that God called to do more than that. And instead of doing more than that, you're wasting God's time and talents. And then you're making an excuse to why you don't want to do more than that. Because sometimes people say, well, it's just more responsibility, more responsibility. Like, let me just help you out. When you're on your job and they start giving you other people's responsibility, that's a good thing because they're about ready to fire that other person and give you a promotion. And you better learn how to work that. You better learn how to go to that person and go, hey, we've got Barbara here. You haven't been giving her half the stuff you've been giving me. Now I'm asking for a 20% raise, fire Barbara or do something or I'm out of here. You see, but you worked that system. You showed them, I'm here to be wise. I'm here to be shrewd. I will not waste my talents and just call it nice. Well, I'll just do Barb's work for the same pay. That's nice. I want Barb's pay. If Barb's not working, I want her pay. I get paid 20. She gets paid 20. She's not doing nothing. Give me 40. Well, that's not Christian. What about Barb's family? Barb got to come to this church and figure it out. Barb can go, listen, Barb can sign up and get help from the church, but you on that job deserve that money. You're working for it. So this man didn't care. He was like, well, I work for my boss. He's rich. He don't care about really who owes him money. He's just got so much money. And that's the way we think about rich people. They don't care. Have you ever met a rich person? Warren Buffett still goes to McDonald's with coupons. Rich people know how to save money to keep being rich. If you just think, well, it's just somewhere over there in the distance is what a rich person is like. No, blue-collar millionaires are the number one kind of millionaires. There's a story about it. You can watch the show on CNBC, I believe. Blue-collar millionaires. There was a woman who was a secretary at an asphalt company. The man did it out of his uh, young adult years, did it all the way to retirement, didn't really have any children to, to hand the business to. He asked the secretary, you know how we do stuff around here. Do you want to buy the business from me? She said, sure, I'll give it a try. She got an idea. I'm going to paint all the trucks pink. 
and let people know in the construction industry, there's a woman owner out here. That just blessed everybody. They all wanted these pink now construction vehicles. She went from being the secretary to the millionaire as she put in her work and her time and her due diligence. You see, why can't you do that? Why can't we do that? Why can't more of us do that, those who are already doing it? Number two, we see that the man gets motivated. He's like, man, I don't want to dig ditches. Some of y'all still happy getting government help. This guy didn't want government help. Are you listening? He said, I don't want to dig ditches and I don't want to beg. I don't want to get handouts. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get shrewd about this. I'm going to go to my boss's debtors and see if I can get some money from them to go to my boss and look good. Now, this is the only part that's dishonest, and Jesus doesn't exemplify the dishonest nature of the man, but he showed how desperate he got because he was fired. He wasn't supposed to mess with those customers. But he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go talk to these customers. And it became a win-win because watch, if somebody owes you a 1000 and they haven't paid you a penny, And over five years or two years, because that seems like such a big amount, but you tell them, man, just pay me 500, and they give you that 500, how many know that's better than just having somebody owe you 1,000 and never paying you back? So the win came for the boss when he said, you know what, I'm going to cut these bills down and see if they can start paying my boss. The boss is like, man, you brought me in money that was just a debt before. He got shrewd. And then what's the second thing that happened? The people liked him. They're like, man, you got me out of this debt for less. That's why I like getting employee discounts. Now, don't do this against your boss's wishes. I don't like when people say, don't tell anybody. Well, then don't do it for me then. But how many know you get customer rates? uh, uh, You get, uh, uh, what do they call this, uh, employee rates, family discounts? How many know some of your companies get that? Why? Because they want to bring in your family and friends by giving them the discount. So he, he hooked them up, too. They got a discount. Now, if he needed a job, he could go to that guy and say, hey, man, remember when I hooked you up with my boss? My boss was happy that you finally paid him something, even though it was probably around half. But now I hooked you up, man. Can I come work for you? That's why Jesus says the people of this world are smarter than the children of light. Scroll up to that verse so you guys can see Jesus' rebuke. That's why this is not coming just as a soft message. There is a rebuke here in verse 8. The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly, which means wisely. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of the light are. You see, we look at rich people, wealthy people, and we go, oh, it was easy for them. No, we have no idea how much work they put into it. You don't get things for free. Mark Zuckerberg didn't wake up and have Facebook all of a sudden as a billion-dollar business. He had to put in work. Some of y'all watch these uh, entrepreneur little commercials on Facebook and stuff, and you think you're going to do that. Entrepreneurship is going to cost you twice the amount of time you're working for someone else right now. You work 40 hours, want to start your own business, get ready to work 80 hours. You're going to have to take pay cuts. You're going to have to pay others before you pay yourself. You want to be a manager, you're going to be on salary, you're going to work longer hours than you did when you just had that hourly, that hourly pay. But is it worth it? I'm not talking about sacrificing your children. I'm not talking about loving the money. I'm talking about do you want to be shrewd in this world and outdo them at their own game? That's what Jesus is talking about. Keep going. Let's keep making sure we understand the parable. Then Jesus is teaching us that disciples of Christ should be motivated to make friends with their money for the kingdom of God. So you know the world. Come on, everybody, look up at me. They're fundraising for Planned Parenthood. They're fundraising to save, uh, to save dogs' lives while they're murdering children's lives in the womb. They're using all of their money to make friends with this wicked, wicked world. And we're sitting here broke, just the ones only uh, doing, what, what do you call it when you, get, when you drive somebody's car and park it at the hotel? Valet. We're just there valet watching them go to the ballroom. To hell with that. To hell with it. You violate my car. I'm going to get this ballroom to raise money for the Chinese mission movement so we can fund Bibles while their communist regime keeps burning them. I'm going to send more than they can burn. Come on, somebody. Come on. Disciples of Christ get motivated. This is your Monday motivation, y'all. This is for you to get straight A's. I'm tired of you teenagers witnessing to your teachers but getting C's and D's. Get straight A's. Come early. Stay late. And then you tell them it's to God be the glory. 
acting like we just Christians and that's all that counts. It's that as long as you got Jesus in your heart, yeah, you'll go to, you'll go to heaven all by yourself then. You will not have influenced anybody. You will not have helped anybody. And you would have probably done more of a disservice to the world because you're walking around lazy everywhere you go. And people say, well, if that's Christianity, my Buddhist guru gives me more than that. I want to put them out of business. I want to give Mark Zuckerberg heartburn this year because a Christian from Silicon Valley starts a new social media movement and we jump on there and he starts watching Facebook stock go down and down and down and we're going up and up and up and we're taking our tithe and giving it to what we care about in the name of Jesus. That's the parable, y'all. That's what your Jesus said. He didn't tell you a story about a man giving away all of his money and becoming a monk. Yeah, he told one rich man to give it away because he loved his money. But if you don't love it and you use it, God will give you more than you can ever imagine. The next thing that we see is that really the worldly riches are just a test for spiritual riches. I believe in a literal kingdom of God to come. That means after we go to heaven, we come back to rule and reign with Jesus. We are on this earth ruling and reigning with Jesus. We are over stuff. And those who were over stuff here and did it well will be over stuff there. Now, I understand sometimes we are limited by the country we live in, by our education, and God will judge us according to what he gave us to do. Maybe that janitor, maybe that uh, person at that entry-level position was very successful if you look at their whole story. Like my Greek relatives, because they left their nation, started over here, learned a language, got all that they could get from this country to work the job they could so that their children could go to college. Maybe on Judgment Day, that is the equivalent of a million billion dollars. But how dare we now squander what they worked hard for? We need to work just as hard as they did instead of just going, well, I'm a citizen now. Now it all comes easy, 30, 40, 50,000. That's all that I need. I don't have any motivation to do anything else. What if God called you to do something else? I'm so tired of listening to millionaires and billionaires who hate the God I serve and then they act like they know something. I want you to outspank the Spanx woman. That woman started Spanx just by taking her own pantyhose, hiding women's parts. She started selling it on her own. Now she's got a billion-dollar business. There was a woman that I was watching on Shark Tank, a mother, who saw that her children's socks kept coming off because the children would pull them. How many have ever had their kids do that? And so all she did was put a little bit of silicone, a little bit of ridge of silicone in the sock so that it would provide some, tech, um, some friction so when the child tries to pull it, they can't get it off. She was offered hundreds of thousands of dollars, took the deal, now she's a millionaire. Let me tell you something. Nobody gives money just to throw it out the window. Money, listen, everybody listen. Let me give you the heart of the economy right now. Money is spent according to value. If someone values what you do for them by an hourly rate, they will give you the money according to that hourly rate. If you have a product that they value, they will give you money for that product. If they value your service, they will give you money for that service. My wife saw that woman's sock and she said, value, I want it. Do you understand how that works? She didn't care. My wife did not research every little thing about that woman, whether or not she voted Republican or Democrat, whether or not she likes, you know, the Cubs or the Sox or whatever. She said, value, money, I want it. We need to put Amazon out of business. We need to put the ungodly businesses that are taking all of our money out of business. We need to begin to build Christian-minded businesses that have value. And people go, well, you know what? Hobby Lobby is a little bit Christian, maybe too Christian for me, but they got the best deal. I'm going here. Yeah, Chick-fil-A might be conservative, but ain't nobody got chicken like Chick-fil-A. Yeah, that Christian construction worker, he may have that Christian music on instead of that booty music. But you know what? Ain't nobody able to build a, a, a remodel a house like this one does. Hire that one. And then before you know it, we flip the script. That's what Jesus said to do. Turn the world right side up. 
Next thing he said is you better always have the right mindset when it comes to money. You master money. Money does not master you. That's why you can be wealthy and blessed. So many people in the Bible were wealthy and blessed. They weren't cursed. They weren't greedy. They were righteous people. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Solomon, Daniel, Joseph. These were wealthy, wealthy people. And yet they never sacrificed their Christian life because they looked at money as a tool, not as their God. I get rewarded for my value as a pastor here, but I don't love my paycheck. I love you more. Can you do the same on your job? Well, then go make millions at it. I'm good. I don't need any more money here. Somebody say multiple streams of income. You've given me more than enough. My wife will now take it and make multiple streams of income. Are you listening to me? Maybe where you're at, you can't get to where you need to be. Be faithful there. Let that provide a foundation and a stability and start taking risk in place where you can take risk. Multiple streams. Master your money. I had my money sitting in a bank account last year. Let's just say 10000 Make it even. You know how much the bank gave me for putting my 10000 in their savings account? They gave me about $0.30 cents a month. You times 30 by 12, what did they give me? About $5? My dad was a financial planner. My dad said, put your money in this investment. Of course, consult with you know, experts and professionals. Don't do it based on a Sunday sermon. But I'm just telling you what my father told me. I then said, I'm going to watch this. The whole year has passed. 2019 passed. I look back at that investment. It earned 30%, 28% return. 10000 in that investment, that place where my father, as an expert, told me where the rich get richer, where money makes money, I would have had 3000 right now. And I still would have had a prayer life. And I still would be preaching on the streets. So I had a choice, and I made the wrong one. $12 from $0.30 cents a month off $10,000 sitting in a savings account or 30%, 28% off of an investment. See, the Bible says here that we better learn how to make money to make money without it being our God. That's the point, not to run away from it and go, oh, money, you know, like as if you saw a Buddha. Oh, that's a Buddha. That's an idol. Run away from it. You know, Satanas, you're not supposed to be afraid of money. You're supposed to be able to control money, handle money, use money as a tool for the glory of God. Lastly, when we value God's kingdom over our desires, we'll both win here on earth and in the age to come. You'll win on earth. You'll employ people. You'll be a better manager than the manager that's there now. You'll have the opportunities to influence those that look up to you in your positions. You'll be able to be generous. You'll have that here and all of heaven there. If you don't want to do it, that's between you and God. But this is the parable he taught. How many learned something? Amen. Let's scroll down a little bit. Let's get to the caution now. Somebody say, watch out. Okay, because for some reason, whenever a pastor talks about money, people think a third offering bucket's coming by, or they think we're doing a building fund. No, we're not doing nothing. You don't have to give one extra penny today or ever. What I am teaching you is the principle of money. What you all do with it, what I do with it, is between us and God. The Bible says never give out of compulsion, amen? So don't misunderstand me. So I got to proceed with caution here. If you have already heard this and you're getting some of these misunderstandings, let me clear them up. Number one, never love money. So whatever I'm talking about, if you're perceiving it as a greedy preacher wanting your money, that's not what I'm talking about. If you're perceiving what I'm saying to you is that you have to go love money, you are not understanding what I'm talking about. I'm saying use money as your tool. Number two, do not determine people's value nor your own based on how much money they have or you have. Poor people are going to heaven. Rich people are going to hell. Can I make it any clearer? The amount of money in your bank account does not equal the amount of righteousness in your heart. I have known a lot of righteous, broke Christians. But what I am trying to do in this message is motivate you to think outside the box, to extend your vision, and to have a purpose for money that God can use. If you have a purpose for money, God can use it. God can use it. Come on, somebody say, God can use it. If God did not want to use your money, then why is he asking you to give it? 
If the mission movement, if this church, light bills, this, this keyboard was supposed to only be paid for with your spirituality, then why are we taking up offerings? Shouldn't we, shouldn't we just get rid of this and just leave it, leave it blank until God sends one from heaven? No, that's not what he taught, is it? You're supposed to give, then we spend. We're supposed to receive, then we go out and give. I'm just like you. I might be the pastor here, but I'm giving here too, baby. Are you listening? We all look at that tithe check at the beginning of the month or however we give, and we always probably get tempted. I could do this, this, and this, and this, and this with it. But as you start to discipline yourself, you realize that those things you want to do, it's nothing compared to what God will do. I'd rather have God bless my 90% than me be cursed with my 100%. Number three, always be content with where you are on your journey. You see, most successful people did not start off successful. Most, most wealthy people did not receive wealth. That is a small percentage. That means all of them started where you started now in some way or another. Whether it's in business, whether it's in the arts, whether it's Brad Pitt spinning signs in front of a restaurant in Hollywood or wherever he was discovered, it's always a story before the glory, and you have to learn to be content. And some of you might be like me, a little bit older learning these lessons, and so you have to be content that at least now you got it and you can impart it to the children and the next generation as you're trying to play catch up. Because you know if something was to happen to you right now, your kids would have to put that GoFundMe fund up to get you buried. Because you never thought about your life insurance. You never thought about those things. You need to be content with where you are. I'm going to use Juan as an example. Juan lost his dear and precious wife, Diana, and the church raised money and blessed him to do all the funeral arrangements and to make sure he had some money for babysitting. But guess what he canceled a few months earlier? His life insurance policy. See, I wish he would have talked to me as his pastor. Would I have gotten $1 off of that life insurance policy? Am I selling life insurance, boys and girls? No, but as a pastor, I would have said, er, hold on, bro. That $15, you may think it's not valuable, uh, you know, more valuable for you to have than to give to the insurance. But man, listen, if God forbid anything were to happen, who's going to take care of your kids? How are you going to take care of the meals? You don't have to cook. What about if you have to travel? What about the funeral expenses? Trust me, it's better to cut back on your Starbucks and have your family covered. And, he, and I already talked. I wish he was here. Is he back in the back with his ch child right now? How much, did, how much was that life insurance policy worth? Yeah, five bucks a month, and how much would you have got out of it when she passed? Yeah, just what did you have? Give me a round number. 40 or 50,000. We don't get rich when people die, but we get taken care of when we use wisdom. It wasn't meant to make him rich. It was meant to take care of things because now that he's lost his wife, he has to realize, oh, man, I got to do babysitting too. And what if I have to run an errand and someone's got to stay here and I need all this extra money? You know how often my dad would tell me about life insurance and I wouldn't do it? I woke up late in the game, but now I finally got it. And I said, honey, if anything happens to me, I don't care what you do with it. Just pay off the boat and keep it in the family and then pass it on down from generation to generation. Call it daddy's boat. You can see God for God, you know, God tarry, uh, Jesus tarries 100 years later down the road. People are handing down this boat, you know. <laughs> but I said, our life, my life insurance covers any debt that I've incurred, car payments. Listen, y'all, I know it doesn't sound as spiritual as teaching you how to speak in tongues. Trust me, that's coming next, and you'll be weirded out just like you are now because nobody likes talking about these kinds of things. But listen to me. If you're just content with, I'm doing all that I can, I'm saving up for the future, you're going to make a lot of headway as you take your journey. Just be content. You don't have to do it all at once. All Juan had to learn, and now he has learned, is just pay that $5 for life insurance. Lesson learned. And his lesson is now your lesson. So I don't want to hear any of y'all. We'll still help you, by the way. Just by the way, we'll still help. But I don't want to hear about any of you passing, God forbid, and then we hear from your spouse, you don't have the money. Church got to raise it for you. Because all you got to do is pay $5 a month and you get that. The next thing, don't be jealous of what others have. Don't be jealous of them. I, listen to me. I am not jealous of a bigger church. I'm not jealous of the rich. I'm not jealous of them. Here's the thing. I'm just motivated to be like them. I want a mega church, but I don't want a mega mess. 
I want to make money through my investments, but I don't want to lose my soul in the process. I want to have both. The next thing is always be thankful for what you have. How many are thankful you're here in church today? How many would be more thankful if it was warmer outside? Right? Well, you start where, where you're at. You say, I'm thankful for what I have. I'm thankful for the house. I'm thankful for the food. Maybe don't, maybe don't have a lot, but I'm thankful for what I got. The next thing is, is you live a generous life. My wife and I were visiting my parents as they retired in Florida, and my dad introduced me to a woman who rides, a bike, who rides her bike with her husband every day because my dad knows I love riding bikes. And as I was talking to her, I was like telling her, like, man, but I don't got a bike, but I would love to go with you. Maybe I could borrow one of yours. And she said, well, I got about 12 or 13. My husband has about that many, but I don't know if we could lend any out. You see, how many know she's got a problem with greed right there? You have 12 or 13 apiece, 24 altogether. You can't lend a bike out to me? Like as if I'm going to toss it off the cliff into the highway or something crazy? Like you can't let me do that? But listen, I would guarantee, I would almost guarantee that the man my, other, the, the man my dad introduced me to, the other friend, had more money than them. But he was a Christian, owned land, farmer. You know what he did? He said, come on over, shoot guns with me. Don't worry about the ammo, we'll provide for you. Don't worry about the food, we'll cook you the food. You see, it was the difference meeting a blessed Christian versus a stingy little sinner. Stingy sinners annoy me. Garage sales and all those things. Give that away, Jack. What are you doing? You got your $5 blouse, you got your $10 silver. Well, give that away. Just give it away. Learn to be generous, amen? And then lastly, help others succeed. Because as we said at the beginning, if today I want, let's just say right now, come on, let's go feed the homeless. If I said, let's go feed the homeless, how many know what we got to do to go feed the homeless? You got to put some money right here. What are we going to feed them with? Your prayer? Open up your mouth, homeless person. Ah, I pray for you. Ah, here's my blessing. Ah. No, I mean, let's just be honest. We want to go to Wacker Drive. We want to go feed 100 people right now. What are we doing? Somebody got to get the money so we can go to the grocery store and go buy them. If everybody pulls out their pockets and says, I don't have any money, no homeless people are being fed. How are you going to get people jobs? Well, everybody needs jobs in my community. Okay, how are they going to get them? If we none of us have jobs, somebody need to start a company. Somebody needs to start doing landscaping. I love landscaping. Somebody needs to start jobs at entry levels that people can get into so that people can be employed. But who's going to own that business? You, you, you want all the worldly, ungodly people owning those businesses, and then they waste their money, all the wealth that they have to a, another yacht, another vacation, another thing for their child to be spoiled, when you and I know what we would do with that money, all the people that we would help. So it's our job to get motivated. Somebody say, get motivated. In closing, let me give you eight scriptures. Because how many know Jesus was not talking in a vacuum? How many know Jesus always taught things tied into the scriptures? This is what the Jewish people had forgot, where wealth came from in the kingdom of God. Look at Deuteronomy 8.17. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands produce this wealth for me. But remember the, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Come on, somebody say, wealth is to build the covenant. This right here, we're using wealth to build the covenant. You like the wealth you're participating in? Somebody had to have more than enough so they could give so those chairs could be there. Somebody had to have more than enough so these instruments could be here. Are we making friends today? Yeah, I'm making friends today, aren't I? But people like you had to give so I could make friends here today. Have you made friends here today? Yeah, somebody had to give so you could do that. Do you make friends in your life group? At the home Bible study, somebody had to have a home to do that, didn't they? Somebody had to have stuff. And so the Bible says, don't you ever forget where wealth comes from. It comes from God. See, the sinners forgot, and they're going to be judged by it. But you as Christians don't forget. Look at Psalms 112, verses 1 and 3. This is where it ties together. Let's get excited. Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Let's see if I'm talking to some people who like to praise the Lord in Metro Praise. If you love to praise the Lord, shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, so you like to praise the Lord. Are you those who fear the Lord? 
Do you fear disobeying God and how it could go wrong for you? Not that he doesn't love you, but you disobey his commands, it's not going to go well for you. How many of you fear the Lord? And how about this? How many of you here today take great delight in the commandments of God? You're not ashamed. You're not afraid. You love the commands of God. Then this is for you. Everybody get this. Listen. This is for you. I'm not talking about being some snake oil salesman. I'm not talking about everybody doing herbal life and let's all become some networking church that sells businesses to each other. I just want you to understand this. Do you fear the Lord? Yes. Do you praise God? Yes. Do you find delight in his commands? Then your children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses and their righteousness endures forever. Woo! We get both. We get both. Now, you may not be as sassy as me on your job, but you can have a little bit of Holy Ghost sass. You could just go up to Barbara. Barbara was going for that same position and just go, Barbara, so sorry you didn't get the raise or the promotion. God's just been good to me. I've been working hard, studying hard. I hope you're okay with that but I'm gonna to need to check on you at three o'clock for that assignment, okay, Barbara? God bless you. See, you beat Barbara. You got her. Got her. What did she say back to you? Ah, well, you're a Christian, so what? I don't talk about you being a guru, loving, vegan, whatever thing you are. That's right, because when we come here, it's an even playing ground, baby. I just beat you, Barbara. Gonna be checking in on you at three o'clock now. It's about time we start winning in life. And then we say, Barbara, I'm going to be a good manager to you. I'm going to take care of you, Barbara. I'm going to make sure we get some promotions and raises together, right? I'm going to make sure our department starts going higher in this thing. Barbara, you're going to be happy I'm leading you for a little while. You see, the Bible says that those who fear the Lord, those who delight in his commands, they bless their children. Wealth and riches are in their homes and and, somebody say and, and their righteousness endures forever. Get both. Look at Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. Now, you think Jesus is going to contradict King Solomon? Of course he's not. They already knew that wealth was a part of their covenant from Deuteronomy, but they needed to know there was a way to get it, and there was a right, a right way to get it and a wrong way to get it. A lot of people chase after it, and they sacrifice their family, and they cut corners. The Bible's teaching us the wealth that you will get will not come through that painful toil that you regret and say, I just wish I would have spent more time with my kids, or I wish I wouldn't have ripped that person off. You'll look back and go, glory to God. Glory to God. Why? Because when you showed up to your job, you just did what was required and then above and beyond. And it began to get noticed. And you didn't have to cut corners. And you didn't have to, you know, trip Barb so she wouldn't look good. Or, you know, put X-lax in her coffee so she was in the bathroom the whole day of that, you know, the busiest day of the year. No, all you had to do was just show up and let God show off. And God began to use you and do great things through you. And it will come without regret, without toil. It will come naturally. Success will look good on you. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Now say to them, neighbor, I think success will look good on you. Come on. I think, I think yeah, man, I think you'll look good at success on you. I think it will match. I think it will match what you got going on right now. Success will look good on you. Look at the next proverb, Proverbs 13, 22. This is where, like I said, don't get mad at me for a whaler. We love her precious heart, and we've all been there with family members, so no one's better than anybody here. But listen to what the scripture says. A whaler needed to read this. Grandpa needed to read this. My uncle, my brother needed to read this. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. We don't have to cheat them. And we don't have to do them wrong to beat them. But we're going to take their wealth and put it in our bank accounts. They're selling used cars, but they're lying to people. We're going to sell the best used cars. We're going to make sure we service those used cars. And then those bums down the road, they're going to be out of business. And then we're going to go buy their business and put our extra lot right there. And then we're going to hire the best salesman. And then after a while, we're going to have a reputation about that used car dealership is where you want to go. And they take care of you. 
And then guess what? We're going to hand it to our children. And if our children don't want to sell used cars, they don't have to, but they'll still get a check when grandpa dies. Grandchildren get blessed. Look, look at the next one. I'll refresh this for me, please, because I got another one up here. I forgot to tell you guys. That was my fault. Yeah, refresh it. Go all the way right here. There you go. Somebody say, Jesus said. Jesus said to be prosperous, to believe in houses and land. How many want to have plural houses? How many want to own plural land? Because that way you can give it away and use it and help others. Keep on scrolling to the scriptures, please. You'll see what Jesus said here in Mark. Mark chapter 10, verse 29. He says, truly I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much as in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecution because they're going to hate you. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last. Come on, somebody say, I receive. Now, listen, if you don't receive your houses and land, who's going to get it? Yeah, Marcus Lemonis is going to get it from the prophet. Donald Trump's going to get it and put his name on it, and then you're going to protest and get all mad at it. Get your land and put your name on it. Get your business. Get your company to succeed. Listen to the scripture. You will be persecuted. We know they won't always like us, but they can't stop the blessings from coming. They cannot stop the blessings that God has for us. D.L. Moody, the great missionary who now owns most of that part of downtown, the Moody Institute. How many have been around there before? How many know Moody ain't broke? They're, that's what I'm talking about. They're giving the Roman Catholics a run for their money. Because why do our churches always got to be in storefronts, but Roman Catholics got 10 blocks, four schools, three parks? Hello? How do you think they got that? They got that from using the worldly wealth. I want to be here when they get put out of business because nobody wants to pray to dead statues anymore, and they got to sell it to us just like they are on the south side right now, and we'll buy up about three of their convents, two of their schools, and we'll put glory to God Metro praises there. Hallelujah. D.L. Moody tells a story about somebody going to heaven, peering in a window with their name on it. Little window with their name on it. Maybe had a door next to it. And it said, like, Joseph Y. Rostick. And he went over there and peered in. Of course, this is a fictional story, but it makes a point. And the man peered in, and he saw all these beautiful things all there in that room. And he asked the angel, what are all these things? And the angel said, those are all the things you were supposed to ask for and receive on earth, but you never asked. God had it up for you. God wanted to bless you. God wanted to do all this, but you were just too busy playing the lotto, hoping to strike it rich. You were just too busy wasting your time watching TV and social media all the time. You never had a prayer life to hear from me to get all this stuff and the wisdom to use it. Whoa, come on, somebody. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might be rich. Jesus became poor for us. And a lot of people point that out. Jesus was poor. Well, technically he wasn't because Judas had the money bag and he kept stealing from it. But he was poor in comparison to what he had in heaven. But he did that. Why? So we could be broke like him, poor like him. I just want to be poor like Jesus sleeping in a manger. Just the bed made of hay, that's all I need. No, the Bible says he became poor, born in a manger, so that we could rule and reign with him. He gave up the golden streets of heaven so that we could have the wealth and the riches on earth to change the culture. Now let's go to the last one. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Rachel, would you come to the keyboard, please? That was paid for by people's wealth and riches. Let's give it up, amen. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 in closing. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now notice who Paul is commanding Timothy to talk to. The rich. Somebody say the rich. Now some of you might say about Metro Praise, you might look around and go, Pastor, ain't nobody rich here. You need to find the commands that deal with poor people. Command the poor people to do this and command the poor people to do that. Uh, we don't have nobody richer, but they did. And we might have somebody rich sitting next to you, but they don't like to act rich, right? 
Because just because you have money doesn't mean you have to act like it and, and treat people bad. Remember we already talked about that? But I want you to notice this. Notice it's a command to those who are, those who are what? Those who are rich. Y'all quiet. Those who are what? Rich. So you have permission to be rich here, and I'll command you to do some stuff. Okay, you be rich. Listen, I'm just talking to you. If you'll be rich, I'll command you what to do. You ready? Give all your money to this person. No, 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 no. This is what you're supposed to do. Here it is. Let's go through it. Don't be arrogant. And a lot of us in the, in the uh, country we live in, we're rich compared to most of the world, right? So some of us are rich in comparison. So don't be arrogant. That could apply to us. Don't put your hope in wealth. That still could kind of apply to everybody, but especially if you're rich. Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, don't put your hope in those things. It will let you down. Don't be arrogant. And then put your hope in God. So Mark Zuckerberg, put your hope in God. Don't be arrogant. Oprah Winfrey, Steve Harvey, Michael Jordan, Donald Trump. Don't be arrogant. Don't look to your wealth for hope. Put your trust in God. Hope in him. And now watch this. And this this is hard for us to understand because we don't want the rich people to have fun because because we want to think we're having more fun without the money because money doesn't really make anything else fun. And that's partly true that we can have fun without having money. But how many know when you have money, you can still have fun too and do things maybe you couldn't do before without the money? Like Like it was fun telling your kids the bathtub was a pool. But then when you went, come on, but then when you went to the Dells, They got to see something else, didn't they? Now, they didn't have to go to the Dells. They didn't have to. They could have stayed in the the bathtub, right? But how many know the, the Dells gave them something to enjoy? How many know you can take your vacation in the middle of winter? During this time, you can go to the lake. You can go to the lake right now. How many know it's a little bit funner in Cancun right now? Cancun, it's a little bit funner. You might enjoy Cancun's beachside view. But now listen, listen to what he says. He says, don't be arrogant. Don't put your hope in your wealth. But watch this. Put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Wow. So rich people are supposed to enjoy what they have because God gave it to them. And so even us, we can learn a lot from the rich, can't we? We shouldn't be arrogant. We shouldn't put our hope in our wealth. We should hope in God, and we should find enjoyment in whatever God has given us. Because if we're not law-breaking and we're giving to the church, what we do with our access is between us and God. And if he says it's okay to take a trip to Cancun or bring a family member with us and do something fun or go to the Dells, we can enjoy his blessings, can't we? But it keeps going. Command them. Okay, I'm commanding all the rich people at Metro Praise. Listen loud and clear. Command them to be good, to do good. Amen. We should all do that, shouldn't we? Come on. We should all do that. To be what? Rich. Y'all so quiet. To be what? Rich in good deeds. So they want to boast to you about all that they're making in the church and all that God has done for them. Say, man, that's awesome. How much have you given to the gospel truck? How much have you given now to the mission movement? You just told me about what you made last year. Really not my business, but tell me all that you're doing for the homeless. Command them to be rich in good deeds, to be generous, willing to share. How many know if you have a bike, you should be willing to share it? How many know if you have a bus card, you should be willing to share it? How many know if you have a used car, you should be willing to share it? How many know if you have a new car, you should be willing to share it? How many know if you've got a plane, you should be willing to share it? Come on. It says, in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. See, it didn't say, command the rich person to give it all away and be broke like everybody else. No, no. There's... There's commands for everybody in the Bible for different stages of their life. This one is for the righteous rich person, like you or I, who's been blessed in life. These are their commands. And so if I've done my job right today, I've helped you understand a parable, taught you about being shrewd, maybe motivated you a little bit. And if you find yourself here in life, this is how you live it out. So that you don't come up to us as a church leadership and go, excuse me, pastor, I need to talk to you. 
Yeah, about what? Well, well, Pastor, I just, I just want to know how do I give $100,000 to the church? It's been a great year this year. You don't act like that. You put in your tithe like everybody else, Bubba. Just walk right up and drop it, and it will cash just like everybody else is when we cash that check. Are you listening? Well, I just want, I just want to make sure it's going to be spent right. Well, it, well, it will be spent right. If you can't give a dollar here, you can't give $100,000 here. And if we've been faithful with a dollar, we'll be faithful with a million. Are you listening? How many of you have dreams about changing the world? How many have dreams about good deeds coming from your life? How many of you want to provide for your family and others' families? Then this is how you look at it. And then the Bible says, we're storing up treasures in heaven. Every time we give, we're just getting the same benefit as the rich person does. That's what I love about investments. I can invest in Apple just like the billionaire invests in Apple because let's just think about it. Let's say you have a billion dollars. Where are you going to put your money? I mean, you could try to start another fast food restaurant, but you know what a lot of these guys do? They put their money in these stocks and in these investments, and that's why you have like Microsoft worth a trillion dollars. So a billionaire can literally go, I'm going to put 100 million of my dollars right now in Microsoft, and Microsoft went up around 30% last year as well. So that guy who put in 100 million dollars into Microsoft, because that stock can handle that amount of wealth put into it, made $30 million. Do you understand how smart money makes money? How the rich keep getting richer? And we look at them going, how dare you? How dare you? I, I don't like that. You just made $30 million because you did that? Oh my gosh, I'm so upset with you. I don't even have $30. Well, hold on, hold on. You can Uber, you can Lyft, you can get a part-time job, you can do this. And then guess what you can do? You can put a 1,000, watch, in the same exact stock they did. And as they went up 30% and got 30 million off 100 million, you just made 300 off 1,000. Because you said, I'm going to start getting smart to this thing. I'm going to figure it out. I might have to take some risks. I may not win every stock I pick or every business I start or every company I work for. It's not always going to be roses and all of that, but I'm going to start being shrewd so that I can have the things that God wants me to have here. And then I'll take my resources and give them to others so I can store up treasures in heaven. If that's you today, can we stand up and give it up for Jesus? Come on, let's thank him. Thank you, Lord. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? Let's pray.